Sometimes you need to take control to make a difference. That's why with FlexPath from Capella University, you're in control. Set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move at a pace that works for you. Discover a different way forward at capella.edu. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the X-Zone, X-Zone Nation, 1-800-610-7035, toll-free worldwide from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We're coming to you on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. And uh, let me see, tomorrow we release the June edition of the X Chronicles newspaper. If you'd like to get your complimentary copy with the compliments of our advertisers, send me an email, exxon at com. My guest this hour is a good friend of the Exxon Nation, a good friend of mine. His name is Howard Bloom, and Howard has been called the Einstein, Darwin, Newton, and Freud of the 21st century, and the next Stephen Hawking. He is the author of two acclaimed books, The Lucifer Principle, A Scientific Expedition into the Forces of History, and Global Brain, The Evolution of Mass Mind from the Big Bang to the 21st Century. Those books have won praise from the New Yorker, the Washington Post, the Boston Globe, Wired, Foreign Affairs, and numerous other publications. A recent uh, visiting scholar at the New York University, Howard Bloom is the founder of the International Paleopsychology Project, founder of the Space Development Steering Committee, a group that includes astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Edgar Mitchell, executive editor of the New Paradigm Book Series, and a founding board member of the Epic of Evolution Society. He has appeared on Good Morning America, the CBS Morning News, CBS Nightwatch, and the BBC. And uh, he is also the author of The Genesis of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism. Joining us now from New York City is my friend Howard Bloom. Howard, welcome back to the Exxon, old friend. Rob, it is a pleasure to see you. By the way, the book is The Genius of the Beast. What did I say, The Genesis? The Genesis of the Beast, which is a good one. Genesis is a major subject that I'm working on for my next book. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, that, that was a Freudian slip, and why did, <laughs> why, why did Freud wear slips? Was he a little uh, That's a very good question, Rob, and those high heels were to kill for. Um, he would have made a great dancing partner for J. Edgar Hoover. Yes, exactly. They would have been a perfect couple. <laughs> your, your wit is working today, Rob. Uh, hey, listen, you and I are going to be talking about some some very interesting, if not devastating, uh, things. We're going to be talking about the oil spill in uh, the Gulf of Mexico. We're going to be talking about 
why this is such a perfect opportunity for space to be our our fuel our depot. Yes. And, and of course, you worked very closely with Michael Jackson, and we're going to talk a little bit later on about your work with Michael Jackson as well as the – it's been a year already, and I can't believe it since Michael left us. And you, when you mention his name, I go into an emotion. It's astonishing how much emotion you can have in a half a second. And I automatically go into some weird emotional state because, um, you know, you know that I worked with uh, Supertramp sure. and uh, Billy Joel and yeah. Billy Idol and Paul Simon and Peter Gabriel and David Byrne and Kiss and Aerosmith and Run DMC and Queen and all kinds of amazing people. And these are some of the most remarkable and talented people of our generation. Now, I was doing it as a science project, but I believed in it with all my heart and soul. All right, we're we going to talk more about this when we come back from this two-minute okay, commercial so we won't break, go into Howard. It right now, but www.howardbloom.net is the website, and Howard and I return on the other side of this break in two minutes. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen.
It was on April the 20th that the uh, oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico caught fire with the explosion and the loss of 11 lives. Way back then, on the 29th, I believe it was, President Obama said that he was going to have all the resources and, and everything necessary, including the military, to put an end to this and to clean it up as soon as possible. We're now approximately 70 days past that day, and we are looking at a tropical storm turning into a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. We're being told by some members of the scientific community that the oil catastrophe may not be resolved until December. What is going on? And, you know, last time you were on with us, Howard, we were talking about energy in space. And, um, you know, you must be psychic, pal, because you saw this coming. Well, you're, you're dead right, Rob. I could not say that I saw it coming in precisely this form by any stretch of the imagination, but we knew in 1973 when the Arabs pulled the first uh, OPEC oil embargo that we were in serious trouble as long as anybody could put a noose around our neck. Mm-hmm. Now, that's true of us in the United States because we're net energy importers. In Canada, it's a different situation. You're net energy exporters. But we should have known, and we did know, that we had a problem with our energy supplies. And Jimmy Carter, a long of a president who no longer is regarded with any respect as a president, did one thing right. He said this was the moral equivalent of war, and we had to establish alternative supplies of energy. And he built a program to do that. Mm-hmm. And then when Ronald Reagan came into office with Morning in America, Ronald Reagan, who is now elevated as a saint in the United States, Ronald Reagan took apart our uh, solar programs, our wind programs, and all of our alternative energy programs. So we're suffering for our own short-sightedness. We're also suffering for the kind of short-sightedness that the Rockefeller family has been aware of. There's a a contingent of the Rockefeller family, uh, J.D. Rockefeller's great-great-grandkids. And they got together in a meeting three years ago um, in order to complain about what was happening with the family business, Exxon. And their complaint was that Exxon was using every kind of technology it could get its hands on to find little pockets of oil buried all over the planet. And while they thought that that was admirable, in a sense, it was, but it wasn't, what their, it wasn't what their family legacy was all about. Their family legacy, the legacy of J.D. Rockefeller, they felt was about pioneering new energy sources um, and taking us into the energy source for the next 150 years the way that the uh, energy source of oil has lasted us for the last 150 years. Well, we were short-sighted, and the result is that we are bleeding the planet dry. I I normally am not all that sympathetic with uh, people who say, oh, if we just left things to Mother Nature, everything would be a green and pleasant paradise, Mm because it wouldn't. Mother Mother Nature is vicious. Mother Nature invented a little thing called death, so you (laughs) you can't say Mother Nature is nice and kindly, and if we simply harmonize with her, she will take care of everything. That's true. But, it, but in this case, we need a supply of energy that is as close to endless as possible. Um, when some people say, well, we shouldn't be trying to uh, bring the standard of living in Africa and in Asia up to the standard of living in the United States, they're crazy. How dare anybody deny the highest quality of life we can possibly achieve to anyone on the planet? Mm-hmm. Yes, there are misdistributions between the rich and poor, but you've got to do everything as possible you possibly can to elevate everybody's lives on this planet. And to do that will take an awful lot of energy, a huge amount of energy. And there is only one source of uh, more or less infinite energy supply, and that's in the sky eight minutes above our head. It takes eight minutes 
for a rocket to climb from Cape Canaveral or uh, Ukraine or wherever it happens to be launched into the heavens to actually get into orbit. Eight minutes, that's how close it is. And the energy supply up there is endless. Now, now, Howard, how close are we to actually getting prototypes up into space where we can actually experiment with and transmit some of the energy that is, that is so abundant up there down to this planet that desperately needs it? Well, we are close and so near yet so far. Um, we sent up the first commercial satellite in 1962. Mm-hmm. It looked like a beach ball, and it was encrusted with, guess what, solar panels. And those tiny little solar panels, about three inches across, were picking up energy from the sun and sending it back down to Earth as what we call signals. Well, what's a signal, Rob? It's an electromagnetic wave. It can be converted into electricity. In fact, these signals are converted into electricity. By two years ago or three years ago, that business that started with one beach ball-sized satellite was a quarter of a trillion dollar business. We call it the commercial satellite industry. And it is taking solar energy, turning it into electricity or electromagnetic waves, and sending them down to Earth in a harmless form as basically radio waves um, all the time, all around us. That's where direct TV comes from. Um, that's how many of the, uh, the, the signals, uh, when you're talking to Bangkok on the phone, or when I'm Skyping to Cambodia, um, the signals are going through satellites. Um, when you're watching the World Cup, the signals are going through satellites, and the energy is coming from the sun. So it's merely a matter of scaling up an existing industry. Um, and yet it's so far in the sense that when um, President Obama recites the litany of all of the alternative oil so- or, or alternative energy sources, solar is always there on the list, wind is always there on the list, geothermal is always there on the list, but space solar power is never there in the list. So we have a long way to go in terms of lifting human perceptions to the concept that there are resources above our head. And it's not just the solar power that's up there. That's just one thing. If you build, uh, if you do what, like a friend of Warren Buffett sent me somebody, an evangelist for terrestrial solar power, solar power on the ground. And this evangelist was wildly excited about a plan to take a 100-mile by 100-mile strip of the Mojave Desert and cover it with solar reflectors. Um, and collect solar energy, and he swore that with that simple gesture, we could we could produce enough energy to power all of mankind. There's one small problem. One of the benefits of the last 40 years of um, eco-sensitization has been that we now know that if you take a 100 by 100 square mile patch of any place on Earth, you're going to wipe out an ecosystem. Plus, how are you going to wash those mirrors? There is no water out there. All the water that we could direct is needed in L.A., which has a water shor- chronic water shortage. Um, and that's a serious question, Rob. It's not a joke. Um, whereas when you put up stuff in space, you're putting up the beginning of an infrastructure, and you're putting up the beginning of an infrastructure that can do things like the following. One asteroid alone has between $1 trillion and $17 trillion worth of resources. Um, and what are those resources good for? Well, we want to build a new generation of electric cars, right? Right. And those electric cars are going to depend on advanced lithium batteries. And that means having lithium. It means having rare earth minerals. Well, there's a small problem. Most of the lithium in the world is in, I believe it's Bolivia. And Bolivia has made it very clear that they know they have a lock on, um, on lithium and that when the time comes, they're going to drive up the price and do to us what the Arab oil nations did in 1973 when we had oil embargoes that put many of us in line 
for hours waiting just for a gallon of gas, not even for a tank of gas, for a gallon of gas. So Bolivia has the same plans for lithium. Meanwhile, China has very deliberately gone out and acquired over 50% of the world supply of uh, rare earth minerals. Um, and it has acquired them so that it can say, well, if the rest of you guys run out, that's, pro- your, that's your problem. That's not ours. We've got our own supply. What do you think that'll do? It'll stop, cripple our alternative energy industries, especially our alternative battery industries. Well, an asteroid includes mountains of platinum, mountains of gallium, mountains of lithium, the stuff we're going to need for the batteries, mountains of rare earth minerals, the things that we're going to need for electric cars. So there's an entire economy waiting for us in space, an export economy, an economy that can export resources to the earth and take the load off the earth. We don't have to dig and puncture at this planet anymore if we utilize the resources up there. Because And guess what else happens when you build an export economy? you create jobs. So the next base, the next great base for economic expansion, for jobs, for life to get off this one fragile little planet and begin to experiments, whoops, mm-hmm. is um, it's up there above our heads. It's eight minutes above our heads. And we owe it to life. You know, life has been through yeah. 142 mass extinctions. Life is fragile on this planet. Um, but if we take it to other niches, to other spaces where it can spread out and learn to adapt in new ways, life will be far safer than it is today living on only this planet. And it's our obligation to take life up there because we're the only creatures on the face of the planet who can do it. Bacteria can do most things better than we can. They can live in radioactive pools. They can dig themselves two miles beneath the earth and turn raw rock into biomass and food and fuel. We can't do those things, but we, we sure as heck better learn how. But we're the only species that can take life beyond the atmosphere and into the new niches that are just waiting to be greened. Howard, you know some of the greatest uh, explorers in space history. Uh, you know uh, Buzz Aldrin, and you also know Edgar Mitchell. What do you know? What do they say about the possibilities of, of mining and farming energy in space? Uh, they are invariant. They're the ones who educated me. Remember, Rob, uh, these guys kidnapped me into the space community three years ago. And though I had followed space when I was a kid, uh, I hadn't followed it in my adult years. And it turns out they're very into robotic mining on the moon. You can, you can um, take so many materials for glass, steel, and concrete from the moon and then put them up in colonies that you can build big enough for 10,000 to 300,000 people. That's new real estate, that's new jobs, that's an entirely new economy. Why did President Reagan cancel the, uh, some of the most plausible uh, alternative energy systems known to mankind? Because, uh, for one thing, he had been involved with the existing technologies for a long time. He'd been involved with the oil companies, he had been involved with General uh, Electric, but more important, it was people on the left, it was hippies, who were espousing the use of solar energy back then. I know, in 1981, I put together the first public service spots mm-hmm. um, for solar power, and you know me, I'm a total hippie. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you are, but you're also a great guy and a super friend, and Howard, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by, my friend. Howard Bloom is our special guest. He is the author of The Genius of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism. His website, www.howardbloom.net. When Howard Bloom talks, Rob McConnell listens. We'll be back (laughs) on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.x. ZBN.net. Welcome back, everyone. Howard Bloom is our special guest. Howard is the author of The Genius of the Beast, a radical revision of capitalism. His website is www.howardbloom.net. Now, Howard, I just want to change uh, gears over here for a second. Before we went on air this, uh, this evening, you and I were talking about how it seems that people are living older and, you know, the what we would consider elderly what, 20, 30 years ago, was considered so young. Well, it's an amazing thing, Rob. You know, we are told that in this technological age, with hormones being pumped into cattle, Mm -hmm. um, with poisons in the planet all over the place, with electromagnetic waves surrounding us, and with our cell phones destroying our brains, um, well, that's what we're told is happening with modern technology. And you would expect, if that were the case, that if, let's say, your grandmother lived to the age of 70, you would die at the age of 60 with all of these poisons surrounding you us. You would but think. The opposite, the opposite is the case. We are living entire lifetimes more than our grandparents. Three of my grandparents died in their 50s, and last uh, Friday I turned 67 years old. Now, at 67 years old, in the old days, you had silver hair, you had gray hair. Um, you were losing it physically, and you were definitely losing it mentally. Mm-hmm. You, you were becoming senile. Well, that isn't at all the case. Um, um, about three weeks ago, for the first time in my life, I reached 125 push-ups. What? You're 67 years old, or you're three years away from 70, and you're able to reach 125 push-ups? How in the world did that happen? I was, uh, you know that on February 1st, I put Buzz Aldrin together with the former president of India, mm-hmm. Dr. A.P.J. Kalam. And this took a lot of negotiation. Now, the negotiation was, first of all, all done on Skype, which is incredible, that you can sit on your laptop and have typed conversations with somebody in India. And it was late at night in the United States, and I was generally in the home of my um, um, co-negotiator in India early in the morning his time, before his wife got up. Well, one morning, we were in the middle of negotiation, and at 8.30 in the morning his time, he said, wait, I've got to take time out. Um, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. My sister just came into town. Now, this is India. Remember, when we were little kids, people were starving in India. Yes. India had the greatest amount of poverty on the planet. 
His sister had just flown in on something like a, a four-hour flight from a distant city in India, and she had sat down, and he said had made, she took out her cell phone, and she had made more phone calls, uh, said Raghavan Gopalaswamy, my counterpart in India. She'd made more phone calls in two hours than he makes in two months. His sister, Raghavan, that is uh, Gopal, is um, 72 years old. His sister is 79 years old. 79 years old should mean old and decrepit. It used to mean old and decrepit. No, it means, even in India, it means lively as all heck. And, and one of the reasons why may have been in that cell phone itself, despite the fact that we are walking through seas of radio waves, television waves, uh, despite the fact that we are eating cows who have been given so many hormones and antibiotics that it's ridiculous. And maybe because of that fact, we're living entire lifetimes beyond what our grandparents lived. This woman, you know that, uh, well, it's in all of my books, that if you feel needed, your emotional system wakes up, your cognitive system wakes up, that is your ability to see swiftly through difficult situations and put together solutions to problems, it wakes up, and your immune system wakes up. That is, your body becomes much more capable of fending off disease. But if you don't feel wanted, then your immune system goes on low and makes you open to disease. Your cognitive system goes on low, so you're not able to see simple solutions to the problems around you, and your emotional system goes into depression. Well, thanks to that cell phone that my friend Gopal's uh, sister was using in India, we're never alone these days. There is no such thing as alone as there was in the old days. You can be walking down the street mm -hmm. and talking to a friend in Thailand or Taiwan. Um, so we're living in a time of miracles and wonders, and yet we are reading more books about gloom, doom, and catastrophe than we've ever read before. And sometimes it pays, yes, it's extremely important to be aware of gloom, doom, and catastrophe so that you avoid it, so you invent your way around it. But it is also wise to take a look at what's right under your nose. And right under our nose is the fact that we're living an entire lifetime longer than our grandparents did. Um, and there's another little line about this. I... You know, I, I am absolutely obsessed with the idea that it's only little tiny humans like us with all kinds of fallibilities, humans who had depressions, um, humans who, who were tempted to scratch at the wrong time, mm -hmm. uh, who were tempted to do all kinds of embarrassing little things, and who often had no self-confidence. It's just us little humans who've made a history, us little humans, these insecure people who have to do things like defecate, you know, go to the bathroom and sleep at night and get tired and cranky. Um, have been Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and Napoleon and, and all of the great men who made history, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, all of them were just ordinary little people. And in the end, all of them died. But they left us an incredible legacy. And that legacy is the legacy that we are born with in our technology and in our forms of government today. Well, look what they did. They were just tiny little mortals. And we're just tiny little mortals, Rob. So what does that mean for us? It means our obligation is to make the next stages of history. It means that it's our obligation to build the next platform on which our children and their children and their children beyond them will stand. And I make this speech periodically to, of all people, Buzz Aldrin. Um, one day, Buzz and I were flying to, uh, well, we didn't know we were on, on the same plane. I was uh, getting on a plane to Washington, D.C. The Air Force was flying me down for a meeting about space solar power. Um, I heard a voice behind me on the plane, and it said, Howard, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> and guess who it was? It was Buzz. 
So um, we weren't able to sit together, but you know how long that walk is from the plane to the luggage terminal? Yeah, sure. To find your luggage terminal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, on that walk, I gave Buzz my sermon about how it's just us little humans who make history, and it's our obligation to change the history mm-hmm. of our time. And Buzz melted before my eyes. His face melted. His pupils grew wide. And then when we finally reached the luggage um, carousel, I realized, Bloom, what an idiot you are. Don't you know who you've been giving the speech to? It's Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin's been in history books for 40 years. Well, Buzz and I have these kinds of conversations, and it was a useful conversation to Buzz. It took me a long time to figure out why, but it's because at his age, he needs to look at the next 20 years as the most important 20 years of his life. Yeah, because people, like you said earlier, people need a cause. People need a purpose. People need to be needed. Exactly. And so not only was Buzz transfixed, but the next time we got on the phone and the next time I reminded him that it was our task to make sure that the next 20 years is the most meaningful 20 years of our lives, um, Buzz told me about two guys I had met out in Seattle, Washington. And Seattle, Washington, an organization called the Foundation for the Future, had uh, founded a, um, they put together a con- an international conference, a, a forum, on uh, something that I'd said at a Space uh, Frontier Foundation thing. And it was a, a conference on the next thousand years of energy. And they flew experts in from all over the world. Sir Crispin Tickle, who advises the British government on climate change, and uh, Gustav Grob, who heads the largest alternative energy organization in Europe, and all kinds of people like that. And they made sure that every formal lunch and dinner, I was seated at a table that was half empty. And I was seated with uh, Bob Citrin, who is the co-founder of the Foundation for the Future, and two men I didn't know. One of those men I didn't know was Walter Kistler, the founder of Kistler Aerospace, who's the money behind the Foundation for the Future. And the other was a little guy who was just bristling with strength and energy. He looked like a little football player. And these two guys, Walter Kistler and the little football player, Walter was sitting there, and his hands were somewhat shaky, and he was drawing carbon sequestration schemes. So I figured he's about 74 years old, and sitting next to him, the, the little football player-like guy with all the energy in the world, yeah. um, it turns out that his name is George Mueller, and he ran a little program for a president of the United States who um, wanted to put together a massive program that would include both the scientific community and industry. And that little program was called the Apollo Program. For two years, George Mueller ran the Apollo Program. Okay, so I had met George Mueller, Mueller and, Walt, and, and Walter Kistler, and I was on the phone one day with Buzz, and we were talking about how every day is the first day of the most important 20 years of your life, mm-hmm. which means we got we got to see what we can look forward to in life. And Buzz has just turned 80. So Buzz said, well, you know, Walter had a birthday last week, Walter Kistler, the founder of Kistler Aerospace. How old do you think he was? I didn't have a clue, but I said 74. Remember, he had been shaky when he was drawing those carbon sequestration schemes. Right, right. Buzz said, no, he turned 90. Wow. So then he said, guess who else had a birthday last week? George Mueller, the little guy, the stocky guy, bristling with energy, who looked like a little football, football player. player. right? Yeah, guess how old George was? So I guessed 72. No, he turned 92. What Buzz was telling me is, today, when you turn 80, you're not getting old. You're just at the beginning of the most important phase of your life. And that's that's true for you and me, too. And, you know, we both have friends who died in their 50s yes. or even friends who died or killed themselves in their 20s. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, everybody listening to this radio broadcast right now, including you and me, we're all survivors. We've all managed to survive through many, many difficult things. And there's a good chance many of us will survive well beyond where we are now. And if you take all the wisdom that you've acquired in the first 50 or 60 years of life, 
and roll them up in one ball and use them to do the most meaningful stuff you've ever imagined in the next 20 years of your life, you will be doing something of enormous power for humanity. 1-800-610-7035. Howard Bloom is our special guest. Howard is the author of The Genius of the Beast, a radical revision of capitalism, and Howard's website is www.howardbloom.net. Howard, have the powers that control the puppet strings contacted you yet about the disaster in the Gulf of Mexico? I've had no contact about that. You know I've put together a series of uh, three visuals. One is called Unspillable, uh, one Mm -hmm. is called Beyond Petroleum, and uh, one is called Don't Puncture the Planet, Reach for the Sky. And those are three graphics um, about the oil spill. And two months ago, we haven't talked since I did this, two months ago I was flown to Chengdu, China, to speak about space solar power. And I had prepared these visuals really to get the president's attention so he would start thinking space solar power. Mm-hmm. And I realized, uh, I woke up in China uh, one morning and realized we had a seven-hour window of opportunity before the president was going to give his energy or his uh, space policy speech. And we, we needed to get these pictures I've been preparing to the president. So I wrote to Buzz saying, Buzz, you only have six hours to get these to the president. And I got an email back in China saying, Howard, I'm on Air Force One. Wow. So, <laughs> so we've made teeny, weeny, weeny, weeny little bits of progress. But no, there's been no formal outreach to me, and that's despite the fact that another thing that's happened since I think we last talked was that the Office of the Secretary of Defense through a forum based on my second book, Global Brain, and brought in people from the Energy Department, DARPA, um, IBM, and MIT, and flew me down to Virginia for this thing. So uh, for some mysterious reason getting closer to the seats of power has been something that's been happening. But unfortunately, it's not close enough yet. Howard, if the if President Obama was to call you up and say, Howard, I want you to take charge of the Gulf oil disaster, what would you do? Well, the first thing I'd do would be extremely practical, and I would look to see what resources we had in terms of uh, construction robots. Um, to go one mile beneath the sea. And my guess is there'd be about five of them maximum in the world. Mm-hmm. But I'd make sure that all of them were clustered in the Gulf of Mexico right now, working on the problem. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to do anything much different from what BP and the president are doing because you have to build the resources of things like undersea vehicles for 30 or 40 years. Um, you can't get them overnight. Um, and my concern really is the long term. My concern is getting us off of oil. My concern is the development of terrestrial solar, the solar on the surface of the planet. One day I was sitting in Manhattan looking across the river um, and a skyscraper at Brooklyn, which is where I live. I saw mile after mile after mile of flat roofs, mm-hmm. just soaking up sun and doing nothing with it. Imagine what would happen if New York City could declare itself the first solar city wow. and paper all of those roofs with solar material. Um, we not only set a standard for the planet, but we would also provide a very substantial amount of our own electricity. So but, there, are, there are opportunities for terrestrial solar of that kind and for terrestrial wind, but in the long run, it's space, 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 space. But tell me, Howard, here, here's, here's a question I have for you, and you'd know the answer better than anyone else I know. If you were to put solar paneling on all the roofs, all right, would that not de- decrease the 
the temperature, what they call the, ur- the urban, albedo. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, right. Wouldn't that also work in favor of a global uh, warming? Well, there's first of all, there's some question as to whether there is or is not global warming. The one thing yeah. you know absolutely for sure. Remember those 142 mass extinctions I talked yes. about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, well, those of all, almost all of them, with the exception of a comet or, or a meteor or two, have happened because of catastrophic climate change. And remember, that was catastrophic climate change before there were smokestacks or tailpipes. So we are in for catastrophic climate change one way or the other. We're overdue. A period of 12,000 years of climate stability, which we've had, and especially what relative moderate warmth, that's impossible. All right, Howard, I hate to do this, buddy, but we've got to take our final break. Howard Bloom is our special guest. Always great having Howard on the show. He's the author of The Genius of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism. His website is www.howardbloom.net. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. You're listening to The X-Zone. All talk, no spill. Don't go away. This is The X-Zone Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good to Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123ReadyTV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123ReadyTV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123ReadyTV, visit our website at www.x. ZBN.net. Welcome back, everyone. It was just over a year ago that Michael Jackson left this realm and uh, graduated to the next level of the continuing cycle of, of life that we have yet to understand. 
But uh, while Michael was here on this plane with us, he was guided and mentored by our very special guest this hour, Howard Bloom. And, and Howard, I remember the last time you and I talked about Michael. Um, you know, you've got so many fond memories of him. And over the years, you and I have talked, and you've always talked about Michael in the highest of esteem. And uh, here it is a year later. <sighs> well, Michael... First of all, we underestimate the power of the things that we regard as trivial, and we mm. regard pop culture as trivial. And why is pop culture important in our lives? It's not an entirely... I've been working on the answer to that question for a long time. I know that uh, Mendeleev, the guy who invented the chemical table, invented it because he was a solitaire player. He did something trivial, and he laid out all of the elements according to the pattern of solitaire and whammo. He had the atomic table. So trivial things can have a much greater importance than we realize. And Michael comes from pop culture, he was pop culture, but Michael was the most important person I've ever met in my life. Now remember, you've played Billy, um, Billy Joel, and you've played Paul yes. Simon, while we've been on, and these were my clients, and these were incredibly creative and intelligent men. Nobody came anywhere near Michael. Michael had a capacity for wonder and a capacity for awe that was beyond all belief. And the one thing I hope for with Michael, there, I mean, first of all, I agonize thinking of the last 25 years of his life when he was under accusations about sexual, uh, sexuality and children, because those must have been 25 years of torture. And if anybody delivered anything good on the face of this planet, it was Michael Jackson, because he was all about delivering everything good he could possibly deliver to his audience. He gave his life for his audience constantly, constantly. And one thing that I hope is, first of all, that Michael Jackson's memory remains as, uh, as well as much as Elvis Presley's memory has remained with us. But I also hope for a certain form of absolution. I hope that people come to realize just how astonishing Michael was and how astonishing his capacity for wonder and amazement was. Because if people understand that, Michael will stand as a beacon for them, guiding their lives. He will stand as an icon for them, guiding their lives. If we could only achieve one-tenth of the capacity of wonder that came naturally to Michael Jackson, we would all be better human beings. Howard, as always, it's such a great pleasure having you here on the show, my friend. I want to thank you so much, Howard, for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend the last hour with us. And Rob, you know I adore spending time with you. You're a good man, Howard Bloom. You've helped many people, and I know for a fact that behind the scenes you're still working to help humanity in ways that people will never know about. Take care of yourself, Howard. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Howard Bloom, www.howardbloom.net, the author of The Genius of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism. Great guy. Have to have him back on soon. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Australia, Asia, Africa, Europe. We're all there. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Oh, and by the way, when Howard Bloom speaks, Rob McConnell listens.